Hunting boots are a critical component of any successful hunt. Whether walking a short distance to your blind or trudging miles through rugged terrain, your feet are carrying the load. Without the right boots, you could give up early and lose out on that trophy just over the ridge. At Midway USA, we make selecting boots for your next hunt easier. With just a few clicks of a mouse, you can decide on what's important, like waterproofing, insulation, size, width, and savings. For just about everything for shooting, hunting, and the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. Outdoor Drive Podcast. Oh, sorry. Sorry, it's podcast time. Welcome back to the Outdoor Drive Podcast, episode 137. Sorry, man. I got a little bit excited. Turkey season being right around the corner. This is your boy, East Coast Trev, and... This is Steve. What's up, man? Ah, same old. As by the time this thing drops out, I'm already going to be a couple days into season and hopefully have some luck, so... Have something Um, tagged down and on the ground. (laughs) Yeah, everyone uh, at this point, I'll say have thanks for crossing your fingers for me. I know, it's kind (laughs) of (laughs) weird. Send up those prayers, man. Steve needs to break the curse. Well, and we're going to do it on a property that uh, no one's ever killed a bird on. And they're limited down there, so. Hold on. So they're limited. What do you mean by limited? Uh, there's, There's a pile of hens okay but we rarely have ever seen gobblers okay but the neighbor down there has been reporting a couple gobblers running around he's heard some birds so this is the first year there isn't cattle on the property there isn't any other pressure you know some of that undergrowth's getting to grow it's not getting browsed down yeah so we're gonna go out there and give her hell that's awesome man and and this is the farm that you've put in kind of a lot of sweat equity and kind of building up this this mecca of big Virginia deer. Well, that's that's the plan. That's the goal. If we can get all of the uh, the wildlife around there, the birds, the bees, the turkeys, the deers, and the, the giant fawns that are inbred with elk, then... Uh... <laughs> I'm not really sure what you do in deer camp, but that's between you and the people that go to deer camp. <laughs> I don't know what you do with birds and bees, but that's on you, hey, Steve-O. <laughs> you, you, you can't have a good property without your pollinators. That's right. <laughs> so we are putting in a lot of pollinator blend down there. As weird as it sounds, we're we're trying to attract, you know, everything. Quail, pheasant, rabbits, squirrels. You know, I need to have a place I can go down there and hunt whatever I want. <laughs> Steve, it's 2022. You can do with whatever you want. <laughs> hey, yeah, that's right. Don't ask, don't tell's out the window, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I guess so. <laughs> you now can ask and tell. So Yeah. Hell, I can get paid doing it too. That's right. <laughs> this now, this turkey season is brought to you by OnlyFans. <laughs> yeah, I was just I was just gonna go there. I'm like, well, it is 2022, and OnlyFans is in business. Yeah, well, you know, <laughs> this is my Jake media. fan. This is my Tom <laughs> fan. This is Tom's fan. <laughs> this is my bearded hen. <laughs> And you can find them all on OnlyFan. <laughs> uh, I think it's the only social media platform that we're not on, I guess. Oh, thank goodness. Well, I don't know. Stay off Twitter. It. There's Twitter. We haven't. We ha- Well, I don't know if you well, dove into it yet or not. But now is actually may not be a bad time to get on it. Now that Elon Musk is the uh, the biggest stakeholder they have and is can walk in and basically say, quit your bullshit. So. so- I guess through the RSS feed for our Libsyn account, um, it automatically sends things over to Twitter because we have posts on Twitter. But I don't know, I don't know how to access it. I don't know how to do it. But it's it's there. You know, it is what it is. But we we've been twittering that, and tweeting this whole time. It didn't even know it. We've been tweeting. Yes, we've and been <laughs> a bunch of twiddling away. Shakens. Bringing you the news for the cruise is our good buddy, Mike Salter. Take it away, Mike. 
everyone, let's start this one off in South Carolina where the legislature has approved increasing the cost of the state's waterfowl hunting permit. The cost will go up from $5.50 to $15.50. These fee increases will expire after five years uh, as approved. The increased revenue will go directly to habitat improvements with a minimum of 250,000 used to manage and restore waterfowl habitat on state WMAs. 10% 10% from the first three years and 20% in years four and beyond uh, are going to the AFWA fall flight program for the propagation management and protection of ducks and geese. And all remaining funds shall be used for development, protection, management, and propagation of wild waterfowl in the state. So unfortunately, an increase in cost to hunters, but funds that are being directed uh, back to benefit waterfowl. Uh, so great news there. So now to New Jersey and two anti-hunting bills which have been introduced. Uh, first bill 3742, which would require hunters to provide 24-hour written notice uh, to all property owners and occupants of properties that share a boundary with where the person will be hunting. The bill also prohibits knocking an arrow within 450 feet of an occupied building or school playground unless the hunter has written permission from such property owners to hunt on adjacent property. The the proposal includes a $300 fine for the first offense and $1,500 fine and loss of license for any subsequent offenses. Then there's also Senate Bill 3409, uh, which would outlaw hunting competitions that provide any reward for hunting or harassing of certain animals with the exception of field trials. Any violation of this would result in facing jail time for a disorderly person's offense and five-year loss of a hunting license. Uh, These are both terrible for hunters, and anyone uh, is encouraged to contact your representatives and senators to voice your opposition to these bills uh, as they are moving forward. Now on to New York and two more bills that are nearing passage and not in favor of hunters. Uh, The first one is Assembly Bill 5728, which is pending in the Senate Environmental Conservation Committee and would prohibit the use of traditional lead ammo on all state-owned lands. Also, uh, with the House Ways and Means Committee is Bill 6510, which turns wildlife management control in southern New York to county officials by allowing them to prohibit hunting during the special late season between December 26th and January 1st. This happened last year as well, and it was specific to last year, but now they are trying to make this for every season. Uh, And to oppose these bills, you'll need to email uh, the committee members, which you can find on the Sportsman's Alliance website. Now for some good news. Victory for hunters in Virginia. Last week, the governor signed Senate Bill 8 into law, which expands Sunday hunting to include public lands throughout the state. Uh, This has been a long time coming and is a huge win for hunters in Virginia. This opens up hunting on Sundays to over 1.6 million acres of national forest land and 70,000 acres of state forest in the state. Uh, Unfortunately, the change will not take effect until July, ruling out Sunday hunting for the spring turkey season, but still a huge win for anyone who wants to hunt Virginia. Lastly, the Mississippi Department of Wildlife, Fisheries, and Parks has certified a new state record blue catfish. The 131-pound blue cat was caught by Eugene Cronley and shattered the previous rod and reel record of 95 pounds and the trophy record blue cat of 101 pounds. So congratulations to Eugene on a true giant. As always, if you have any news to send along to me, people have been sending stuff in pretty regular, which is great, so keep it coming. Reach out to me at Mike Salter on Facebook or Bearded underscore Bowhunter21 on Instagram. And with that, enjoy the rest of your ride. That's it. It's nuts. No, I'm definitely looking forward to turkey season, though. I mean, it's it's one of those seasons that kind of gets like put to the wayside, and we're just like, all right, turkey season's here. Yeah, when it, it hits, it hits. Yeah. yeah. And you're just like, let's go, dude. Yeah, and it sounds like you've got a lot of birds going on up there. You know, it's it's one of those things. I mean, through traveling around, I mean, we probably put I put probably two two and a half gas tanks through the truck, just driving around looking for birds. And it's pretty much every farm right now is holding birds. Um, there's a ton of public land birds that I've definitely put you know eyes on. Um, actually, yesterday we were out shed hunting, turkey scouting, like not really looking at the ground as much with Ruby, and she went over this knoll and a new piece of public. Uh, I just wanted to go and check it out. She put up two gobblers. So I was like, all right, cool. Pin that and, uh, you know, just use it as a back pocket thing. You know, I didn't have to really, you know, just an extra thing. I mean, we have a little bit of time, dude. We're not kicking off here until the 27th. 
Gotcha. Um, but well, everybody, right. when season does come around and you're up around his area, make sure you're looking for his car. <laughs> when, when you find Trev's car, you know where he is and where the birds are. Yeah, yeah you keep looking for the car yeah, that doesn't exist. Keep looking for the anymore. car. It's <laughs> trying to do you a favor, man. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody really knows, or and I'm kind of keeping it that way. It was funny. I was I was on the phone with Madman Mardik the other day, and I was like, "Do I put a sticker on my truck?" That's when you use um, the blacked out like, sticker. He's like, yeah, right. And he's like. Well, dude, you know, nobody really knows it. So if you put an outdoor drive sticker on it, then, you know, it's not that big of a deal because a ton of people have them. And I'm like, yeah, I says, well, I'm not going to go crazy. So I have two, two small stickers on the truck and that's it. And that's about where I'm going to keep it. Just normal stickers. I'm not, you know, I don't want to put anything crazy on it for that reason. I don't want anybody really knowing where I am. Yep. Kind of what is going on. I mean, you want to know where the birds are, just drive around and find the guy with the most stickers on his window. Exactly. Right. I guess you know. There's this theory that um, Marduk and our and well, you you talk to Ryan Higgins. Um, they say they say you want to be a badass hunter, you just buy a Toyota Tacoma. Like the most badass hunters that are out there, they drive Toyota Tacomas. I thought they were mom wagons, minivans, soccer mom Minivan. rides. <laughs> soccer, yeah. oh, no, no, it just broke down. I'm going for a hike. Yeah, exactly. You know, put some. That's actually a good idea. You know, you know some be like, vegan uh, stickers on the back. The coexist. You got to have the coexist. The coexist. You know, have all of that on there, and nobody is coming into where you're at. <laughs> That's what I should have done with the Honda Civic. Is just put like Hillary and Biden stickers all over it, and then parked them on the side of the road, and then nobody I, would even know. I don't know. Going. Up there where you're at, that may attract people. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. Very, Not so much here, true. but you know, north of the Mason Dixon, you may get people wanting to come shake your hand. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Why? Because I had enough balls to drive around with those stickers on my car. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, hey, before this thing turns into a shipwreck, we probably uh, just give a shout out to those famous people. Yeah, go ahead and run them through. Run them through real quick. I'm going to go with Brought uh, to you Gator by OnlyFans. <laughs> the OnlyFans. Um, I couldn't resist. Gator, Gator Outdoors, GatorOutdoors.com. Use promo code OutdoorDrive25 on that one. Thanks to Wade over at Gator Outdoors for the uh, the squirrel competition T-shirts that have all been shipped out with a couple of stickers. Uh, if you guys do have those, make sure that you post them up on our social media platforms and give us an old tag when you wear those bad boys. Really looking forward to the next uh, squirrel competition. I know the coyote competition kind of didn't really take off. There's a couple guys. We'll send them out surprises for that. But um, Latitude Outdoors, latitudeoutdoors.com. Um, keep your eyes peeled on those guys. Uh, there's a lot of cool things coming from those from them. They got some some stuff that's really going to knock it all out of the park for this coming up this upcoming deer season. Uh, latitudeoutdoors.com. Also, New Era Archery, NewEraArchery.com. That's the home of the Zeus Broadheads and B16. Um, if you guys haven't gone on over there, there is a um, big sale going on for $39.99. You can get three Zeus Broadheads, which are normally $59.99. So go and check them out. Nor'easter Game Calls, NorEasterGameCalls.com. Get them in close. Uh, Mark over there has now uh, released the new mouth calls and the clear killers, uh, the outdoor drive clear killers. And also the Cedar Ridge Runners. Uh, he's always working in the shop. We're actually going to have him on here as a special guest later on so he can kind of go through all the stuff he's got going on. Um, last but not least, well, not last but not least, but the last time that you'll probably hear this name um, until next season is Rack Bracket. RackBracket.com. Use promo code OUTDOORDRIVE10. Um, save yourself 10% on the sturdiest, best Euro bracket on the market i purposely did that slow uh dirt road agency <laughs> dirt road agency uh is christian costa who has kind of built and helped us manage our website with our merch on there uh big thanks to him and uh while you're on that website scroll all the way down the bottom and sign in to our email list or our newsletter we'll be doing some giveaways with that and kind of getting that thing underway uh, if you guys want to keep on top of what we have going on day to day, new episodes, uh, special promotionals, stuff like that. Also, Bowfishing Magazine, bowfishingmagazine.com. If you guys are bow fishermen, get on there and uh, sign up for that. It's actually a free ep- uh, episode. It's a free magazine uh, with everything bow fishing related. So check those guys out. All right, now we can get back to the craziness. 
I don't want to miss out on anything good. <laughs> I don't know if there's going to be anything good that comes of it. <laughs> I, you know, what's funny is, I, you know, we haven't, I don't get to run through these a lot. So I'm kind of, you know, I was on point and I, I would just hit those things left and right, left and right, all the way through them. And I now have to look at my uh, notes to get through those sponsorships and show well, me nuts. Obviously. Nine episodes of trade shows. Kind of is that what that. it was? Something nine like that. episodes. Jeez, I think it was like nine episodes straight. I do love the shows, though. I mean, it's fun to see everybody and stuff. I don't know how the working class bow hunter guys did it. I mean, going to almost every single show, dude. I just, I'd be drained. Well, My liver I, would hate me. I, I think what they were doing is they wanted to go see every show, so that next year they know, you know, what shows to go. Where's worth it? Mm-hmm. I don't blame them. So, you know they're coming back to PA. How could they miss out on PA? Yeah, you, you can't not. It's probably one of the best shows. I love that show. It, it's rowdy. I want to talk. I, I do want to talk about something because today I uh, I put out, or what would be two weeks ago, I put out uh, a tip. And I did Tip Tuesdays, which is something I'm going to do a little bit more of, kind of. It's... I don't know. It's just something I came up with. Now, I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing, but I came up with tip Tuesday. And today's tip was um, study from afar and, and kind of be silent, right? And one of the things that drives me absolutely nuts, when I flip through social media constantly and I'm looking and I'm looking and I'm looking and everybody has birds in a field when they're out scouting. And what do these people do? Call to them. Yes. It drives me up the mm-hmm. wall. Hey, it's like birds. nails on Let's a chalkboard. But, Why do you want them to gobble? So uh, we have a kind of a running joke. I've got a buddy that is a diehard. He'll call him regardless season or not. If he could be in there knowing he's hunting a bird and he'll sit out there for four mornings straight and call at it to see if it's there. And uh, we consider it, you know, we even went to the extent one time we printed out diplomas and handed it to him. Said, here, next time you go out, make sure you give these to the birds. Just, just give them their call diplomas because you're just educating Jeez. them. They know where the pressure is coming from. They know where you're going to come in from. You know, whether the whole call shy thing is a real thing or not, they're getting pressure. And if they do go to check you out and you're not there, well, guess what? They're going to be a little bit less apt to go check you out next time. I think it's absolutely ridiculous. So, like, if I do carry a call, I carry the worst call that I own. One that of a noise that I'm never going to make in the woods. Because when they hear that noise, they go, who is that girl? Where is she come from? Right. I never heard her before, you know, and then you're going to, and then you're going to then put the call that you use, which is the same call. And you're going to do it again in the woods. Like, I just, I don't understand that when they're on the side of the road, if you want them to gobble, if they're Honk. close enough, beep the damn horn. <laughs> Like, it's not that hard. Slam the door. Like, you want to hear him gobble, dude. It's not hard to make him gobble. Do not call at them. Like, it drives me absolutely up the wall. And most of the guys do it on the side of public land. Like, they don't get called that enough. Yeah. You know, and guys like us go in there and we try and hunt these birds. And these birds are completely and utterly educated to what is going on. Or I've seen it before so bad in some of these high-pressured public land spots. Like, these birds will be in the center of the field. You hit off a call and they literally tuck their tail feathers and, and run the, the opposite way. direction. Yep. It's so annoying, dude. It's like, bro, we're out there, we're out there grinding, and then something like that happens. You know that those birds have been called at a million and one times. Mm-hmm. And at that point, you have to hunt them like like deer. Like you just have to know where they're coming and going. Or it just it just puts so much more pressure on these birds. There's there's a hundred and one different ways to find out where these birds are, what they're doing. Because you can go into the woods in the morning. You want to hear them gobble? Just get in the woods in the morning. They're going to gobble, guaranteed. Yep. Like, if you're in that right area. Figure you know, out where they or, roost. After they fly down, move into where you think they roosted. Check under the tree. You'll know yeah. between fly-up feathers and droppings if it's a roost or not. It's real easy. It's so annoying, dude. I, I get so irritated with it. And they then, you know, at the end of it, you know, they'll... Even in the evening, you can go in there and you can owl who I yep. use a goose call is one of the things I use. You can use a, a, a how and read. You can use anything, man, a Fox Pro, whatever, dude. You can definitely get those birds to gobble to understand where those birds are. Bang I mean, two just, pans together. 
I take, I used to, I mean, one of the kids I used to hunt with, he would take a big stick and smack it against a tree. Yeah. Just as a loud noise. It's a natural noise yeah. of like a tree branch falling. I mean, there's yep. so many other things you can do than, than that other than to call with those birds. You know, everybody calls those birds. Like, dude, stop. Just leave them alone, man. And let them go on their own way. Like, it's not hard enough. And I don't know. It just, I get irritated about it because I'm like, dude, just leave the damn birds alone. You know? I mean, it's, we're three weeks or four weeks from the season and you got to be calling at these birds. What does it make it? I don't know. I guess I can ramble on about it for no reason, but it's no need for it. Trev's round of the day. It's just crazy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Have you been seeing a lot more birds down by you? Because you had said the other day that DNR was saying that. Yeah, they're they're calling for a really good year of two-year-olds. I guess the uh, the clutch hatch last year was phenomenal. So okay. they're, you know, and the majority of birds here are jakes or two-year-olds that end up getting harvested. They're calling for a really good year of two-year-olds, which we haven't had in three years. That's good. So, you know, if you did get a, a long beard to come in, it was probably a wise old pain in the butt like the ones we always fought with. You didn't have the stupid two-year-olds. So I, I think we're going to have the a, stupid two-year-olds for a good time. Well, yeah, you got to warm up somehow. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, I they're calling for a really good season for the harvest, so... Fingers crossed, we'll see. But the best part is, is now that uh, COVID disappeared, because, you know, it wasn't a thing now. Um, right. A lot of people are back at work and don't have time, and they're not going to be crushing the woods every freaking day of the season. Right. So that's going to help a lot. It's nuts, though. So you had more of a dry spring than last year or the year before. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, you think about it, the the first year you came down here and hunted, and we had some two-year-olds, but most of them were big old longbeards. Mm-hmm. And they were the cagiest birds ever. Right. The second year you came down here, we didn't have two-year-olds. You know, we had one or two longbeards that screwed with us for the whole week. And last year, I the one I ended up shooting, that double beard, you know, it, it was at least three. I mean, it was a, a very mature bird. I didn't have a single encounter with a two-year-old last year. Well, at least, you know, and I'm the, I can't sit here and judge Turkey's age. Don't misquote me right. here. But mm-hmm. the birds last year did not act like your two-year-olds that come in, you know, ready to fight, get, you know, set that peck in order. They'd right. sit back. They were real cagey. They just kind of took their time wanting to see what's going on. And if anything was off, they were gone. Right. So that's, that's why I assume. I think it's kind of because... I mean, for us, it was, I don't know. I mean, obviously I do my annual trip during the middle of Turkey season, but like when we, when I was here, the opening day was tough. We had a tough opening day. I ended up shooting the hen, my bearded hen. And then I left and then I came back and then I ended up killing a real mature bird. But there wasn't, even when I youth hunted before, there was one big mature bird that we held up at 60 or 80 yards. Couldn't get the thing to come in. I hunted a couple more times and then I ended up leaving and then I came home and everything had greened up and it was real tough. I mean, we were then hunting the woods and stuff, but it was, and even after that, man, it was tough hunting. There wasn't a lot of birds. And even in scouting this time last year, I didn't see a lot of birds. I mean, one of the farms that we hunt dude right now has like eight to 10 mature birds, right? Like, gobblers and i'm like dude you gotta be kidding me and with like four or five jakes inside mix and then i went to another farm that i hunt and it was like the same i think it was like 10 long beards that were out there and then i had talked to my uncle and he said that there was like 20 or 30 birds that were in the field like a little bit before i ended up getting there to scout i mean i was i checked another farm and then went there it was like seven o'clock in the morning but he had said at like seven o'clock in the morning there was like 30 birds. I didn't get there until almost eight. So, um, I couldn't believe it. And everywhere, I mean, you know, midday they go in the woods and you don't see them, but those rain days, man, definitely scouting on those, those those birds. And, and you're seeing them out there. Some of the public land that I hunt, I knew that they go into this one field in the rain and I went over there and last year there hadn't been any birds. And I went over there and there was four long beards in there last year. And I, I mean this year, and I was like, all right, we're good. We're on. I mean, there's definitely birds around to be had. And 
I'm I'm hoping that you know the everybody like you said, COVID's over and everybody's back to work and not putting the pressure on these birds. I mean, if they do a day or two is fine. Um, we'll see what ends up happening. I, I'm I'm more or less excited for you season. I think that's always like my favorite all time thing is you season. I'm gonna hunt with Everett again. Um, I think it'll be his last year hunting with me because he's gonna be too old. I think. Right. And then. Um, if I can get a bird for Will before I leave, yeah, I think that sweet. would complete a season for me, and I'll try and definitely try and work something. So I've I'll have three or four days, and then Will will come in. So then I'll hunt with Will, and then we'll take off for Maine, um, on the fifth or sixth of May. Gotcha. So we'll see what happens. Everyone's like, "Are you going on your shed hunting trip? Why would you do that?" Da, 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 da. And I'm like, "Dude, if you went and walked and tried to find a moose paddle." You would totally understand right. why I go and do that. Like they're like you're leaving turkey season. I'm like, yeah, I get two weeks of turkey season, and then I'm out of here, dude. So like, it's not like I'm missing out on anything. I just, yeah, but you get you got to think like, a lot of them. A, a lot of folks have never picked up anything bigger than a whitetail antler, and I'm telling you, there is nothing greater than like stumbling on a giant seven side for a bull elk you know, a 30, 35 pound horn. And I'm assuming it's the same when you find a moose paddle, you know, cause it's, it's massive. It's like finding a 200 inch side on a shed for a whitetail. Everyone you find is epic, you know, and until you experience that, it, you don't quite understand that. It's, it's something else. I mean, it's not even the fact of finding a big moose head, right? Like I love the fact of coming around the corner like ruby's not coming back because she normally like she'll work just like a bird dog right and she'll bounce back and forth back and forth and up there it's all clear-cut rows right so they're like five feet six feet wide and then there's five or six feet of like thick pines and then it's another clear cut and then you know with growth in it and stuff so she'll zigzag through them run around and i'll see her you know and then she'll like come back she'll check with me and then keep going on but when she goes out and she doesn't come back and then you have to go and find her and you come around the corner and there's a moose handle around the ground that she's trying to pick up and she can't pick up. I think that's probably one of the coolest things ever. And to walk up on some of them, it's, it's definitely fun. But I think the best thing about it, man, is so we leave off the pavement and it's about 70 miles on one dirt road. Yeah. Literally straight shot north, like north, northwest. Okay into the woods, 60, 65 miles. And then we turn off of that for another five or 10 miles. And then we turn into camp. So technically we're like 70 something miles from the nearest paved road and being up in the middle of nowhere, dude, straight wilderness. It's, and you're camping on the riverside. Um, we're on the St. John river in Northern Maine. I mean, there was points last year that dude, we, we were on, like the clear cuttings from U.S. I almost said Connecticut from U.S. <laughs> to Canada, dude. Right. Like we're on the Quebec border, dude. Like it's it's surreal. It's surreal to be up there. The camaraderie of all of us hanging out and camping, and it's just so much fun to learn. And like you literally, if something is to go wrong, you know it's all over. Like there's nothing you can do about it. Bro. Yeah. Like if you run out of fuel, you're walking. 60 miles to camp to to the gas station you know what i'm saying or back into town um so there's a couple of us three i mean that's really more or less what it is for me i mean like that's like my number one trip is to go up there i mean we found 84 moose sheds in 11 days last year right for one two three or six of us so i don't know that's the fun of it dude i i don't know if it's like I guess it would be something along the lines of finding a big elk shed. I mean, when you come around the corner and some sagebrush and that thing's laying there, the yeah. thoughts that overtake your mind couldn't, I don't even know what that's like, dude. Well, like, and that's got to be crazy. It's the same thing as like, say you just stumble up on, you know, a 30 inch moose paddle. It's like, wow, where'd that come from? Mm -hmm. You know, it's just like a shock because again, you see a whitetail antler, even a big whitetail antler. And you lay that next to a big paddle, even a medium paddle or a medium elk shed. And it's like, oh, 
well, that whitetail sucks now. This thing is like yeah. five times that size, you know, so it's like finding a 200 incher every time you find one. It's it really just a honestly trip. is. Uh, I mean, even when Rue comes back with a big whitetail shed, <laughs> yeah. I'm like, what in the world did you just find, dude? Like her biggest whitetail shed this year, dude, uh, she come, she come around through this thick stuff. We were in some barberry bushes and I come over this little ridge and she come running back with this thing in her mouth. And I'm like, it's just like, you know, like, you know, ground growth. Yeah. Like when, when you're walking up to a whitetail, I can see her and she has a bone and she's running back to me. And the closer that she gets, this thing just gets bigger and bigger and right. bigger and bigger. And I'm like, how much bigger can it really get? Like, uh -huh. It's absolutely giant. I'm yeah, like, and I can't believe you even just found that thing. And that's the thing. When you pick up a big horn, it's just, you just, it amps you up just a little bit more, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Hey, look, here's a fork side, you know, here's, here's a little basket. And then you get that one and you're like, oh yeah. You know, that's him. When, when you're comparing the ass ends to beer cans and things like that, you're bragging mm -hmm. about that. Well, that's every moose paddle or elk shed. I mean, you find some small ones. I'm not going to lie. Well, I yeah. have a set of, uh, I have a set, it's a spike fork. And uh, if I didn't have the eyes that I have from for looking for whitetail sheds, I probably would have never right. found it. And, and that's the thing tiny. is that that's the opposite what you're looking side. For. Who's ever found a button buck shed? Mm -hmm. You get more jacked about finding that than you do, you know, 150 inch side. Because so, it's so hard. So it's funny is a lot of guys, like, they literally talk about that all the time. Like, what is your smallest shed? Because that's impressive, dude. You know yeah, what I'm saying? Like pick that out, that, that takes yeah. skill. I know somebody who literally was sitting down turkey hunting, okay? And he's sitting down turkey hunting, and he's playing with stuff on the ground, okay? <laughs> and he's just, like, playing with stuff. And he has in his hand, and he has what he think is a rock. And he's like, this is the weirdest rock. But he's not paying attention, right? He's, like, looking out at the decoys right. and this, that, and the other thing. And he's like, what the? And he looks at it, and it's a button buck. Shed. Shed. It's literally a deer button. He's like, what in the world? How did I just find? Like, he literally just, like, randomly was sitting down and picked up a button buck shed. And he just had it in his hand, but he was not like, he didn't look at it. You know what I'm saying? Like he just right. put his hands down and grabbed something and he's just playing with stuff on the ground and it's a button buck shed. That's wild. Like, you gotta be kidding chances? me, dude. What is the chances, dude? Like some of the, I don't know. It's, it's crazy. And then that, like to think about it, how many, with how many miles, like I'm probably logged close to a hundred miles this, this year, shed hunting. Like how, how many big antlers did I walk by? Oh, yeah. That's what'll drive you crazy if you really think about it. Because for every one you find, you probably walk past four. It's nuts, though. Like, I do a lot of, I started doing a lot of grid searching. Yeah. And I would, like, literally, me and Rue would get in a block of woods and I would watch it on a map. And I'd get on Hunt Stand, which I learned from Marty, because I didn't know that it has, like, a tracker thing. Yep. I can't really use it on Hunt Stand, so I use it on Onyx. So, and then just literally watch my track and I grid search an area. Then, especially if I know there's a big buck in there, then I'll move to the next area and I'll grid search it, you know? And, and dude, when I started doing that, I did that, um, where our hunt camp is here in Connecticut. And I, I found so many more sheds. I found nine sheds just mm -hmm. in that one block of woods. Yeah. You, cause it's, you're looking at the same spot from four different perspectives instead yeah. of, Hey, I just walked and I didn't see nothing. You know, you didn't, it wasn't in your line of sight, but okay. Now you came at it from 90 degrees with the sun at it different. You know, oh, it's like, oh, how did I not see that? I think that's one of the, the hardest things too, because having the dog, you're trying to play into the wind. Right. So the sun sometimes is in your eyes. Uh, and then when she's working, when you work back on a line, the wind is at your back. Right. So a lot of the times with her, she, she'll get out way farther. And then she kind of has started to understand that she has to have the wind in her face. So she'll go out and 60, 75 yards and then work her way back to me. But the problem at that, I have the sun in my eyes, but she has the wind to which would be to my back. You right. know what I'm saying? Yep. So then it's vice versa when we're working the other way. 
So she's starting to learn that. I mean, at two and a half years old, I mean, she's really starting to pick up on a lot of that stuff, but it's, it's a different perspective than like somebody, if I was to go into the woods and actually shed hunt and have to have that sun at my back and then work my way up and through to having a dog. Now your perspective is totally backwards, you know, and you have to try and get that wind in your face, no matter what, no matter where the sun is complacent to you, you know? So it's, it's fun though. I mean, it's, it, it definitely is a, a tough thing to get used to though. Cause you're so I'm like, I, when I'm walking, I'm always trying to keep that sun to a quarter or behind yeah, me at so all you're times. Not blinded out. Definitely. Yeah. That's one of the, the toughest things, honestly. Well, while you're up there in Maine, you going to stop by the shop. So we have some really big, important things going on with the shop. Um, why don't we, um, what do you, should we just get Mark on the phone? Yeah, dude, let's just go ahead and have him dial in. Let's do it. Let's do it. Hey, oh, man, you alive over there? Yes, I'm still kicking, believe it or not. You can't oh, hear him geez. in the background going, Mark, 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 Mark. <laughs> that's, that's how I learned how to turkey call and, and duck call. Doesn't that sound like Mac, Mac, Mac? Is that the noise you make with your mouth call? Mac, 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 Mac. Oh, I thought he was just yelling yeah, at the kids outside. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what do you got going on in the shop nowadays? Oh, we're just kind of getting ramped up and ramped down at the same time. Um, I'm getting caught up with custom orders. Um, obviously, we started a new series this year for you guys. Uh, the Outdoor Drive, Clear Killer. Um, every year we do something different, and it's a limited run. It's, I think there's like a dozen of them or so. Um, obviously last year was pretty special. We had the outdoor series, which I decided to gather up everything I could find and dry it and get it into the calls that had, you know, leaves and moss and sticks and twigs. And, and this time I decided to just go in the opposite direction. It is pure clear. Well, not crystal clear, but as clear as I can get a block of resin and, and they're all turned out. So it's just clear with your logo under the glass. So it literally actually... reflects whatever it's sitting on. That's the coolest part. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty neat. It's it's just clear uh, resin. Of course, uh, Trevor's idea this year was half plastic glass over slate, um, which I think this is the first time for us doing that in your series. And it, it it's a screamer. It's extremely loud and it sounds great. Because we did last year the outdoors the outdoor series was glass over glass. Yeah, which is a yeah. fire call. Fire. Yeah, sounds that that one sounds great as well. That that'll bring him in close. So. Um, this one here is, is definitely has got the right sound to it, and again, it's, it's just kind of unique. We, we usually we try to go way outside the box with what we're doing, then you know nobody's even going to try to attempt to do it. In this case, it was like let's try something very very simple, keep them clear, and let's go down that route. And mm -hmm. that's that's what we came up with, and of course we give it the nickname Clear Killer. I think. So, do you see a big difference between the the slate over the glass over the glass over the glass? A little bit, I think. This slate one, it, it's got a little bit more rasp to it, and you can get it a little louder uh, than the glass over glass. It just seems to have a little better tone. I think it's just because of the slate being the soundboard, um, it, it controls that sound going out just a little differently than a sharp piece of glass. So it, yeah. it is different. The harmonics will be dampened a little different. Not, yeah. Not as If you loose. played them right side by side with the same notes, you would definitely be able to pick out the you know that there's two different calls right there's a it's got like some special tang to it because i have so right here i have a a, a slate over glass i don't know you guys might not be able to hear the difference here's the glass over the slate oh you can hear the difference yeah and then yeah, there's the, the glass over yeah. the glass They all sound really good though, but I, I I really am kind of pitching myself towards that slate a glass over slate. I really do like that. That is fire. It is, it is. And I I don't think a lot of your listeners know how long you and I worked on this. I, we kind of discussed it uh, earlier about how many years you and I put into getting this sound. It wasn't like, hey, check it out, I make turkey calls and threw it on the desk and glued some stuff together. It, it doesn't work that way. Um, I mean, you were instrumental, and, and so was it Steven when we came up with, like, the Prospector series. It, it sounded good, which it, it'll sell off the shelf and it'll call in birds, but it, it just didn't sound right. And 
it's really easy to just say, hey, let's just fix that real quick. Well, it doesn't work that way. It, it's there's just so much that goes into it to get the height of the soundboard perfect, the size of the soundboard, how many holes are in the back, what kind of glue you use. Um, so that, that really, it took a long time to get it, and we both were kind of jumping for joy when we finally hit it that now we've got everything perfect. I don't understand, like, one of the things we talk about a lot is, like, how do these guys come up with these calls? They're like, oh, yeah, I used a seashell, and I put slate over it, and now it sounds like a turkey. <laughs> yeah, and I think if... I think over the over the internet or on your speaker, it kind of does. I mean, I can right. put a piece of slate in my hand right now and, and make a turkey noise uh, with a striker, but is it what we're looking for? I mean, we're trying to mimic as close as we can get to Mother Nature, um, and that's where the, the real trials come in to separate you from the guy with the seashell in his hand. <laughs> you know, we want to we want right. to push ourselves a little further out there. Well, Not that we, that we don't want to sound good. We don't want to down on our guys down south where they use turtle shells. No, exactly. Everybody, everybody's got something different that they usually said. I don't want to bust on them because it's their their call. We just decided to go a different route and just keep fine tuning that. Just like we're in a in a music studio, it just kept playing with the knobs and the dials and the knobs and the dials. We we're like, that's it. Stop. Don't don't move. We we got it. And it did. It took almost five years. It's kind of amazing that it took that long um, to get it to where. Uh, again, I'm proud of it. I, I would put it in anybody's hands and uh, let them have at it. Well, hold on. Let's let's take this back real quick. It took five years to do it in acrylic. You had already yes. capitalized on that in wood. It's yes. now doing it in acrylic. Acrylic was the tough part with having an acrylic yep. outside shell of the pot call. You did it in wood. Wood is perfect. Your wood calls have yep. always been great from the beginning, but now doing them in acrylic is where the the trouble had because of the vibrations and the glass bonding to the acrylic and and all exactly. those things that kind of go into that it, which exactly. have been kind yeah. of a tough thing yeah that's very true i've been doing it since you know 2010 making the the calls but as soon as i threw acrylic into the mix that was the end of that um and then when we finally get that pinned down then steven decided to throw another uh, little <laughs> looper into the into the mix and send up the ridge runner <laughs> and of course, me being a smarty pants, you know, I'm like, oh, this piece of cake looks already built. I'll just reverse engineer it. Yeah, I think you remember the first one I built you, and I listened to it. And I'm like, what the hell did I do wrong? <laughs> I mean, it sounded horrible. It looked just like it. I'm like, I don't get it. I built it just like his, and it, 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 it truly sounded horrible. It sounded like a bumblebee was caught inside the call. <laughs> I, you know, and that's when you sit there and you shake your head as a call builder go, this is impossible. I mean, I don't know the exact woods he used, but. I can't be that far off, but yet all I had to do is start here. I was thinking I had it exactly. And I wasn't cause I did it my way. I built it just a little taller, a little bit longer. And there's the issue. It's all about that interior. And that's, and that's when I found out real quick that now I better. And again, I couldn't pop that call apart. So I had to really take my time with it. And it, it took a while and, and now I'm real happy with them. Hey, you did a remarkable job. I, I wouldn't even attempt. The only way I would have ever tried to remake that call would be cut it in half to get those dimensions. You did it without yeah, breaking what, the call. Yeah, exactly. And that's what I, that's what I wish I could have done to, you know, get out. I mean, you've seen my work desk before and I'll post it online. I've got my, you know, a set of micrometers sitting on my workbench because, I mean, it's that particular for me so that I do the same thing every time. Um, and it, it did. It took a while. They're, they're kind of dangerous to make because uh, I use a router in my hand and so forth to hollow them out. And um, you can have some kickbacks. Uh, but now that we've got them down pat, I'll probably always continue to do a small line. Um, I'm trying to move them into the acrylics right now. And I've got that bumblebee issue again. And uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm working on that because here we go again. I got it perfect in wood. My acrylic are built pretty close to the wood. They're a little shorter. And that may be where my issue is coming from. It, it's really amazing that, you know, a quarter inch or a half inch will throw you off completely. Right. Changes the whole dynamic of the way that sound bounces. It, it does. So stay tuned for those. Once I get them in acrylic, that's going to be fun because we can do them in all kinds of different colors. And, again, we can put stuff in it. We can. It's just limitless what I can do with the acrylic. Yeah, it's going to be sweet. I can't wait. Yeah. I I mean, that call alone, the Ridge Runner, man, is probably one of the nastiest calls that has come out of Nor'easter Game Calls, to be honest. Like, as far as the tone-wise and what it actually is, and you remade it in cedar, which is like half the weight. Yeah, it's very light now. You can stick it in your top pocket like a pack of smokes and not even know it's there. I mean, it's really light. 
I mean, you don't want to sit on it, obviously, because it is cedar. Um, because you could definitely break it if you had a seat on it, but it, and it has a different tone than the oak and the cherry. Yep. And it, but it's oh. a good tone. I, I like it. Yeah, it, it is. It's a and great it, addition. It has that. You know, it's funny. Is so I had uh, during the Springfield show, um, I had put it in the hands of Matt Weddish, and him being like a really good turkey caller, right? So he's he's hitting the side, he's hitting the call, and he's got it in his hand, and it's squeaking. Like got like a squeak t- noise to it, uh-huh. and I'm like, <laughs> "Yeah, that's it. What are you doing?" He's you like, gotta, "It does. I don't. You gotta what? lighten it up." I like it for me. For me, it didn't sound good. And then he, he took the thing and he starts hitting it, and it's kind of like squeaking, got more of a higher pitch because of the aluminum. And he goes yep. around the blinds to the other side, and he you start hearing it, and I was like, "Whoa." He's like, "Yeah, you can't listen to a call from close. You have to listen to it from afar, like a." turkey would hear it and you can really a, hear and, that and that is a very good point yeah because i run into that in the shop where i think i've got it pretty good and i go outside with it to hear the echo back to me and it, it does make a big difference it really does having it further away because when it's right under your face it's just projecting straight at you and uh, it is a different tone same with mouth calls when i was learning how to do mouth calls uh, you know and asking for pointers and stuff yeah listening to it in the truck it sounds pretty good, and then you record it on your phone off to the side, and you're like, that's not all that great. You get out of the truck and start hollering with it, like, wow. That, I mean, it has a great echo coming back. So mm-hmm. it, 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 he's very right with that, where a lot of us wouldn't think of that. And I noticed one thing that, and, and in the video that he had made, he had his arms, when he had the call, he has his arms extended out as far as he could have it to get it away from his body so he could hear from afar. Because if it's real and close, now it's bouncing up in your yep. face. So he actually holds it out when he's hitting his call so he can now hear the yep. echo coming back at him. Yeah, and, it, and he could, right. He and he could adjust the tone. Correct. And it's one of those things that like, I was like, wow, man, that's, that's just a, you know, that's one of those tips and tricks to be able to listen. And and the other thing too, like with mouth reads, a lot of the times, a lot of people, the reason why they cup their hand around their mouth. And a lot of the times you can take so that it doesn't get so loud. When you you cup your hand, you can take your other hand and put it over the top of the other one. So now it's bouncing back at you like a singer would, and you can hear it back reflecting in your ear. So you can know your tones. So you can hear your tones yep. bouncing back to you, and I was like, "Whoa, now we're talking," and it makes yeah, so that's much a more sense cool that little way. Thing, you know, how many of us sit there with a pot call and we almost cuddle it when we're in the blind? Yep. You know, it's it's, and we really shouldn't. Like you said, we should be reached out so we can hear that tone. And and I catch myself doing that a lot when I am calling with a pot call. I'm extended out, and I've almost got my hands out the window of the blind. I'm right up to the window away from me so that I can project that sound because. As you know, our park calls are extremely loud, so I can I can twist it upside down. I can twist it. I can change that pitch by rotating the call at the window, and uh, that's usually worked out pretty good for me. That's and that, and that's a good thing to do too. Even if you're calling inside of the blind, sometimes you might want to call outside of the blind, so you're projecting out, so it's not echoing inside of the blind. Exactly. So. With the mouth calls, um, you just came up with uh, two new series of mouth calls. I mean, if if pot calls, grunt tubes, box calls, and ridge runners isn't enough for you, you decided to dive into <laughs> this whole. He, he broke mouth down and call. got into the latex game. I, I did, and, and that really. I, I mean, I've, I've teased Trevor since I've known. With him all the shit him. talking that you've done to oh, me about I, I it, did. I said I did. I mean, the old joke was, "You're lucky I'm friends with you because I don't. I'm not usually friends with guys that like to taste the latex in their mouth." <laughs> But, uh, you know, you finally, there's just so many reasons to do it and to stop bucking the system that I did. I dropped the big dollars and I bought, you know, the real machinery from uh, Feather Ridge. So I've got, you know, the, the, the machine that stretches and all that. I put my own stretch. But, I mean, the machine folds the aluminum and pulls the reeds, the uh, latex. I get the tape cutter so that each one's cut exactly the same. Uh, my logo stamp. And for me, the, the biggest scare was I can't run a mouth call. So, and I couldn't when I first started this, and you know, because you, I bet you could pick up 50 calls right now that I sent you. We tried everything, and I reached out to another call maker and, uh, that does them, and I said, you, you got to help me. And uh, he was instrumental in, in helping me out with it, which is surprising because normally, you know, another call builder will just tell you to go fly. Right. And uh, he was really good about it. Um, and he builds calls like I do, deer grunt calls and turkey calls. Um, I mean, I'll throw him a bone. He, he goes on to Southern Coyote. Um, online, and I mean, it was very good of him to do that. I mean, literally a phone call 
is we're talking on the phone and he's helping me through that. And uh, then Trevor just said, throw it in your mouth and this is what you do and so forth. And I think I drove around for probably two or three days before I got a decent sound. Um, and now that it's been a couple of weeks, I, I have no problem bringing that in the woods with me now because it will be instrumental in me getting that hung up Tom because all I've got is a box call and a couple of pot calls with me. And when you run out of options where he's still hung up, the mouth call. And watching videos with guys with both those in their vest, yeah, there's no comparison. That mouth call takes you to that next level. It's a it's a tool that seals the deal, man. I mean, I can't stress it enough on how much they actually work. I mean, Marco would totally bust on me because he'd be like, dude, you're supposed to be killing him with my calls. I'm killing him with your calls, I promise. I, I'm getting only, them in. I'm getting them to yeah, gobble, but I'm just finishing them. 30 yards <laughs> that you don't want to move. <laughs> I'm just finishing them, man. I'm like, where the hell's my call? I can see that mouth calling your mouth, and I, and I give you hell, and you're like, dude, I got him to gobble. I brought him in, and then I finished the, I finished the deal with the mouth call because, you know, and I couldn't understand it because I, I never watched a lot of videos on mouth calls because I don't make them, and I right. can't run one. And then this year, as you and I talked, you said, you got to do it. you got to do it. And Again, it's an expensive. It's a couple thousand dollars just just to get started to make, you know, a set of mouth calls that's going to sell for twenty five bucks, and that's shipped. So you're only going to make, I don't know, maybe ten bucks. It's going to be a while to pay it back. And again, practicing with the calls. And again, now that I can run them, yeah, it's it's going to be a good venture because coyote calls will be next, and elk calls and so forth. Yep. Um, that, that's coyote calls are already in the works. Yes, they are. Yep, I've got those down to you, and uh, we just got to get them in the right hands and start adjusting our stretch and make sure that we've got them uh, tuned in decently, uh, because that's something else I got to learn how to run now is the coyote call. Coyote calling is not. I mean, listen, I, I Mardik's going to give me crap for it, but <laughs> it's not that hard. You just have to have the it's diaphragm. Not, that boy, he gets it in bellows. I I can't believe it. Like it, it's mind blowing to me. I am not a coyote caller by any means. But he he gets it done, dude. I can't believe it. It's it's something else. No, that you... first night, I when I heard him, that that kind of sealed the deal of mouth calls. When I when I built those horns for you guys, the the amp the amps, yeah. um, that you both wanted, and then I heard him with a, with a mouth call. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. I mean, I'm good with a mouth call as far as an open read style, but to hear him with a with a read, you know, a latex call mouth call in his mouth, you can't tell the difference between him and a dog. No way. No, no way, no how. And like I said, his diaphragm is massive. <laughs> so, I mean, me doing turkey calls, I told you the other day, I can only run them for about a half hour. And then my diaphragm starts getting sore where I, I can't get those fast clucks in when I'm using the mouth call. It's tough, man. It's it, You have to train that muscle and you have to get that muscle to work. Like, it's – you just got to practice, dude. It's, it's something that you – I mean – Steve, you mouth call like oh, yeah. I mean, you literally sit with that call constantly in your mouth, and you just—I mean, even having yep. an off season, I just drive around. I got it in the car. That's what I'm doing all the time, all yep. the time. You know? Well, you can only do it so long in the house before the old ladies want to kick you out. That's... Yeah, yeah. I've already, I've already stretched one out where uh, one of my V cuts it doesn't sound right now because I've used it so much, you know, pushing up on it with my tongue that it's finally given up and. Uh, yeah, I, I do. I drive around all the time, blowing on them and, and getting better at, like like I was telling Trevor the other night, I said, hey, I can purr now. I can purr, I can clock, I can yelp. Um, my kikis, they're getting there. Um, <laughs> that one takes a little but, while because it's different. It, it is because you got to learn how to bend your tongue right. And With me, it looks like I, I'm having a stroke. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> when, like when you, I can get it to kiki. You try to get that high pressure up through the back of your throat onto that thing and it when you finally get it, it's like, how did I not understand that before? But trying to learn it is yeah, the it, funniest thing to watch. It, it's tough. It, it is, because I'll, I'll finally get it, and I'll be like, oh, that sounds good. And I'll do it like, I don't know, eight or, time, eight or ten times driving down the road. Then I'll go back to doing my regular calling, and I try to get back to it. I can't find it again. It's like, are you kidding me? <laughs> so it, so it, I'll give you a tip on it real quick, because it's – so especially with a cut call. Cut calls are some of the harder ones to do it with, right? It, because what you have to do, especially a bat wing, for, for example, if you're going to do it with a bat wing, what you have to do is take the tip of your tongue and put it on the side of yep. that, that call. So you're literally yep. 
and, and that's where I'm going with it. Definitely got to be warmed up. <laughs> He's got to find it. <laughs> <laughs> that's the, you have to have it on the side of that, of that, of the cut, which is some of the hardest yeah, and I parts. I figure to do. that out. It, it, and that's why I said it looks like I'm having a stroke because I look like Popeye talking out of the side of my mouth. <laughs> I'll tell you, uh, this call is one of my favorite calls, honestly. Try not to call into your guys' ears. No, you're good. <laughs> but it rips. And which one's that one? That's the, the bat, bat wing. wing. Yeah, the bat yeah. wing. Yep. That's uh. And that's the hottest one for a call maker to make because uh, you're doing a right hand and a left hand cut, and of course everybody's either right handed or left handed. So as you're cutting out the two sides, you've got to you've got to spin that little frame around when you're cutting it and go in a different direction with the scissors, and it 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 makes for a you. It, it makes for a little bit of a hassle getting the cuts perfect. So speaking of cuts, you offer three cuts and two different yep. lines. That's correct. Yeah, we have the Widowmaker and then the Cheating Hand. And the difference between them is thickness and reeds, which changes the tone just a little bit. Um, it's enough so that you can tell playing them that there's a little bit of different tone. One's a little raspier than the other one. Um, and the stretch is a little different on one to the other. So that's the only difference. So I'll I'll play the two for you. So I have both of them right here. Um, this one is uh, which mark the if it's if it's green, it's cheating. It's it, yep, oh, that's okay. the cheating hand. Okay, so this is the cheating hand. And, and white white is for a widowmaker. had to break in one second <laughs> that one's yeah, not <laughs> huh. And that's the Widowmaker. Yeah, it's amazing how when you first throw them in your mouth, they they don't have that rasp. They, you really do have to play with them. for It's only about a minute to get them mm -hmm. good and wet and keep throwing some juice on them. And then the rasp will come out and the tones that you want. If you just throw one in and start blowing on it, which amazes me, again, watching videos from these guys making their own calls, they chuck them right in their mouth and they sound pretty good. But to get that rasp, they just got to sit. A lot of the times I just put them on the side of my mouth. Yeah, and let just, them soak up the juice, them. and yeah, and when they're brand new, they still have powder on the latex, uh, so that when you're stacking reeds and stuff, they don't stick together. Uh, so that has to be washed out. So, I, I mean, if you don't want the, that little powder in your mouth, you can just run them under the sink and uh, get them all good and wet, and get that powder out of them, and then put them back away in the, in the little case that they come with, because they come with a little nor'easter case, and there's three calls in each case, and um, of course, when I ship them out, they come with a nor'easter sticker and a business card and all that stuff. And they, so they have, so you have three different cuts. You have a batwing cut, a shipwreck cut, yep. and a V cut. Yep. That's correct. Yep. And my favorite as a new caller, I fall back on the V cut and the batwing. Those are the two easiest for me to start with. I'm still uh, practicing with a shipwreck cut to get the sound that I, that I can get out of the V cut. Uh, so it's been, it's been good learning. Uh, I was surprised. I think there's a lot of fear in it more than anything else. You know, you don't want to try something you're not good at, obviously. <clears throat> and it, once you gave me the pointers and stuff, I'm like, you know, and you get that first noise. Like, I even sent you a video that night. Remember, I'm like, hey, check it out. I can make some noise with it now. <laughs> you know, and it was just a, a squeal more than anything. But I was like, well, that's how that works. And, uh, yeah, once I started practicing, getting the tongue position right, and the pressure right. And the biggest thing, I think, like you said, is your diaphragm. If you're not a caller with a duck call or a goose call or something, some sort of mouth call, you don't know how to use your diaphragm. You really don't, unless you use an instrument maybe in school. Um, 
these guys are just trying to use their lungs and that's not going to work. You know, you, you'll, you'll struggle with it. I think one of the biggest keys to, to mouth calling is there's, there's two fundamentals and you want to have your highs and your lows. So you're, And once you have control over those, then you can start to make your calls where you're exactly. Yeah, you go high and drop off, and yep, that's, and that's what I learned with by the movement of your mouth up and down. Yep, that relieves yep. a little pressure with your tongue, mm-hmm. and and yeah, exactly. So and I, and I did just what you do when I first started practicing is to get that that weird sound without tickling the crap out of my tongue, <laughs> and then learning how to drop it down and putting the call almost just before your gag reflex the further back the better and so you can use that roll of your tongue it is very important your diaphragm it, it is if you push it too far forward it, it's just too high pitched um i mean I, I i won't lie i gagged a couple of times on where you get them it's too far back you gotta take it out of your mouth and leave it out for a bit you're like holy jeez you know but that's where it works it's a, it's a very weird place to put it but once that everything gets wet and it's locked in you vent it a little bit you know with your tongue and it's all wet. It, it'll stay right there. You can actually talk right past it if you want to. Old Mark is gagging on latex. <laughs> I've been yeah. sitting here going, this is like a highlight <laughs> reel of things I never thought Mark would ever say. You got to spit on I it. You got to get it deep in the mouth. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you got to spit on it. You got to watch out for your gag reflexes. I mean, and that's why I stayed away from it. The jokes just won't stop. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so... So, Mark, we've kind of gone through all the all the calls. You have your pot calls, which is this year is the clear killer. We have our original box calls, the little cluckers. We have the ridge runners, um, and now that we have the cheating hen and the um, what's the other one? Widowmaker. Widowmaker. That's what I thought. Um, yeah. So, what do you have new and coming up for nor'easter game calls in the future? Well, for deer season, we're obviously going to head down that road of the Jurassic series that we spoke of. <clears throat> I'm having some custom-built uh, bits made for me, which I'm, I'm having a hard time because some of these companies want $400 for one drill bit. Um, so I'm reaching out to some friends to try and get things done um, so that I can get the right drill um, for these calls. But it's basically mammoth ivory pieces cast in resin, and that will be – it's a higher end because it's going to have a Damascus band, real Damascus steel band, um, and again, made out of mammoth ivory, uh, with Coco Bolo sound chamber. And, and again, all these calls are done by just me. They're one at a time. Um, so it, it takes me some time to get them. That's why I don't do huge runs because it's just, I have a real job. I'm in the shop every night, as you know, from seven, seven thirty mm-hmm. until midnight, every single night, seven days a week. So we'll do that. We'll do the Jurassic series. Um, and that's probably about where I'll be. I've got a bunch of box elder burl as well uh, that's mm-hmm. been dyed and stabilized to do another line um, and maybe some Honduran rosewood as well. So it'll be a, a decent selection of grunt calls this year. They won't all be super high-end. But you have the regular ones. Awesome. That's, and it yep. wouldn't be outdoor drive nor'easter game calls if we didn't give something away. What are we going to do, Mark? Why don't you announce it? What, what's the next giveaway we got going on? I think for these, uh, you and I have discussed it before, uh, these new youth hunters that are getting out there, I mean, obviously, uh, some of them are pretty young, um, and they don't have a lot of money, especially the way things are right now in the economy. Um, I think we ought to give away, you know, their choice, a pot call or a box call. They can have their choice. I'll do an SW hybrid uh, box call, which is, a, you know, a full-size box call. Um, and if they want a pot call, they can have a Nor'easter pot call. And... Uh, I'll make one up for them if they want special colors or they can uh, just let me know what they want. You know, I can come up with one and we can launch it on the website. Something that's a kind of a neutral color or a cool color form and uh, go that route. Um, and what are going to be the rules and regulations to this bad boy? I think it'd be cool to see them and their uh, hunting partner that's with them, be it their mom or their dad or their buddy or their brother or whoever took them out. To see that photo, you know, that those photos in the field really capture the moment where, I mean, there's, there's plenty of times when you can actually see, the, the, you know, the puddle dies. Um, it's, it's quite an event for them to, to get out there and harvest their own turkey. So if they can do that, get us a photo to send in to you. Um, 
and we can post those on the on your uh, website and on Instagram, Facebook, and so forth. And then just a short paragraph of what made it so special for them, or, or what's the most memorable part. You know, you can be as short as I couldn't believe it. It was you know 30 yards, and you know I pulled the trigger, and it was over in no time, or it ran off, and I had to fire again. Just a short description of what made it special for them. You know, too special as I was with my dad. You know, my first hunt. That's just a little statement, and we'll go through them, and uh, we'll just do a. a a drawer at the end of the season and uh, let them choose if they want a box call or a pot call. Absolutely. I'm all about and it. We'll you guys heard in, it. We'll definitely throw in a set of mouth calls as well. I'll make sure that uh, we throw in a set of mouth calls with it, just in case they want to start practicing and driving everybody in the family nuts. <laughs> I think it's great. Hey, you heard it's it like right the modern Mark's day mouth. drum set. <laughs> mm-hmm. but, but way better. <laughs> yeah. Actually has use. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it does. So, yeah, I think that'd be cool. You know, like I said, get the photos in. We can start posting them to show that uh, there are some youth out there that are getting into the industry that, you know, we've lost a pile of people uh, mm-hmm. because of, you know, indoor games and COVID and all of that, uh, that, they're, you know, people are getting back into it. And I'd love to supply them with their first set of calls so that they can uh, have them for a lifetime. And like I said, we all know my stuff's warrantied for a lifetime, so they'll be able to pass it down to their kids. That sounds good, man. Well, Mark, we really appreciate it. But last but not least, man, where where can they get these calls at? Nor'eastergamecalls.com. Sweet. You heard it. Get them in close. Nor'easter Game Calls. Well, Mark, we're going right. to get back to the normal show here on the Outdoor Drive, and we appreciate you jumping on and everything that you do for us here. Oh, the, it, likewise. I appreciate everything you guys do for me as well, and uh, appreciate you taking the time out of your schedule to give me a ring and get everybody caught up on what's going on. Hell yeah, man. Well, I was Steven, just going to close her out for him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was just going to wish him the best of luck, you know, because we know that main birds are in short supply and hard to call. And <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I, can go, I can go outside and call one in for you if you want. <laughs> the way my last few seasons have gone, that may be my best option. <laughs> you are welcome here anytime, my brother. Anytime, like I said, there it's amazing how many turkeys the state has it, it really is and uh we don't have the same posted laws as uh, a lot of these other states and uh there's plenty of property up here and plenty of birds outstanding well we'll have to keep that in mind guys and uh everyone you know where to go to find him you know where to go to get your calls and uh support him because he's doing a hell of a lot for our show and we couldn't do it without him so appreciate you thanks for listening and thanks for taking the ride right here on the outdoor drive <laughs>